Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. And uh, we're going we're gonna to finish up our Why God, Why series tonight. <clears throat> Jesus, we just need your help. Because even looking at the uh, incredible stained glass window behind me, um, <clears throat> the words that come to mind are religious drapery. And when it comes to the church, we have so much religious drapery. We have so much churchianity in our experience that we often don't really see what your real intention was for church. And so our prayer tonight is, Lord, will you show us what you meant by church? We confess that we're weak. God, we confess that there are all sorts of cultural things that are involved here, Lord, and we we can't even separate it all out. But we need to have your word for what you meant to be church. We need to hear from you what are the primary things and what other things, you know, are just secondary and tertiary? What's the essential for church, God? What's the non-essential? What are the values that you envision when you um, breathed on the disciples and you know, granted them the Holy Spirit and said, go? <clears throat> God, we need, we need you, Jesus. We need, we need a fresh word. Because here we are 2,000 years later, and the church has all sorts of challenges that are different and some challenges that are very similar to the ones that were faced with the first group of believers in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. So we just need you. We invite you here, Jesus. Speak to us by your spirit. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <coughs> okay. So why God, why? Our whole, our whole uh, approach in this last about six weeks has been actually having the courage to ask some of the questions that are hard to ask. And we started with the hardest of all, which is, you know, God, why the pain? We took about three weeks to talk about, you know, why the pain? Why, why this difficulty in my life? And then Josh, two weeks ago, um, helped, helped, us, helped us deal with the problem of, God, why, why the exclusivity of Jesus? You know, Jesus came and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And boy, does it fly really well in our culture, right? In our super tolerant, super pluralist, pluralistic culture, they love hearing that, don't, you, don't they? That's me being sarcastic, just, you know. <coughs> okay? They don't. And then last week we started, well, God, why the church? You know, of all, of all things, why? Well, why... Um, Sorry, I'm a little have some problems up here. Um, why, why the church? Why, why is your design the church? You know, honestly, God trusting this incredible message with a bunch of broken and kind of messed up and opinionated people like you and me. What in the world are you thinking, God? And so we started last week by by saying, hey, you know, if I ask Joe Schmo on the street, hey, you know, what do you think about church? Often the response, especially here in the 21st century, is, hey, I'm a spiritual person. There is this renewed. I mean, compared with the secularism that we were kind of headed towards in the end of the millennium, what's happened lately, like in the last decade, is a renewed desire for spirituality, but an incredible distaste for organized religion, right? And then last week, we started looking at the fact that, hey, but we we love good organizations, right? Like the same people who say, I really have a distaste for organized religion, (laughs) you know, they love certain companies or they love certain teams, you know? I gave you my affinity for the for the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Bruins. And, you know, the Bruins just blew it in an incredible way this last Friday. Way to go. And, uh, you know, I talked about my affinity for JetBlue versus United or Southwest versus Delta just because they have good companies, good, you know, when employees like to work there, you know something's going on. You know, I'm, I'm going to D.C. in a couple of weeks. Easy choice, JetBlue, because their price was half of everyone else's price. And there's just a good thing going on in that company because they, they've got new ideas and it's wonderful. We like those things. But when it comes to the church... 
it seems like we have a lot of objections. You know, why is church not the best organization to be a part of? What are all these objections? And last week, we just looked at the fact, you know, if I was going to ask Joe Shimon on the street, what's wrong with church? The first thing that would come out of their mouths is just the hypocrisy, right? Hypocrisy and leadership. You guys are two-faced. You preach one thing, but you live another. And, of course, we can point to several kind of major falls of, of spiritual leaders in the last 20, 30 years and say, so you guys are full of junk. One thing comes out of your mouths, but in your lives, it's something else. And if you want more on that, then you, you just need to go to the podcast because I'm not going to rehash that. So we're going to look at a few, few other objections. You know, what's our problem with the church? Whether it's us in the church or people outside the church, what are some of our big problems? The one we're going to start with right now is <coughs> a lot of people just think it's so dang irrelevant. And uh, Lauren, that'll be about slide eight, right? Slide eight. Thank you, Lauren. Pinch hitting. Incredible. All right? It's so dang irrelevant to real life, right? Why, why, why? <laughs> like, why go to church when I don't hear anything there that's helpful? Or, you know, nothing is encouraging. Nothing really applies to where I really live. You know, this is where I am. For those of you who are working, like, Neil, you don't understand what I deal with 40 hours a week or whatever, just in my family. You don't understand my family situation. I go to church and I just get guilt trips and I get, this is what I should do, should, should, should. But nothing really helps me practically. <clears throat> Well, as we started to do last week, we're looking at 1 Thessalonians, and we're looking at what's, what's God's heart, what's his intention for the church. And I'll say to this one, oh, God has so many practical things he wants to help us with. And the first thing is, I want to look at 1 Thessalonians uh, 4.1. If you're um, in the New Testament with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. <laughs> you listen to God's heart for the church and what should happen when you come to church. Because Paul... And these guys in Thessalonica had church in a big way. Paul's reflecting on his time there, and he says this, Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. We instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. We instructed you how to live. How to live. How to live. I just want to stay right there for a second. Church is meant to be really practical. There should be instruction on how to live. And I get a lot of feedback, and sometimes people say, hey, you know, we're not in the Word enough. We need a little bit more of the Word. And I have to tell you, where I'm coming from as the pastor is this, is that the North American church in general, we don't have a shortage of information. We don't have a shortage of teaching. Honestly, you guys are all plugged in enough that if you want better teaching or more of it, then just get on YouTube. Just get on I don't know, somethingsomething.com, and you'll get whatever teaching you want. You can get it. We don't have a lack of information problem. Our problem as North American believers, including right here, is lack of application, right? We're not living what we learn. Why is the church in China exploding right now? The church in China is exploding because they get this much revelation, and then they do this much application. In other words, they start with, I don't know, open up to Matthew, open up, open up to any of the Gospels, and they read something and go, oh, this is the truth, I should go do it now. And then they go do it, and that church is exploding. Meanwhile, the North American church, you've got hours and hours of teaching on end. We're exposing, expositorizing, we're, we're, we're getting you the word. <laughs> we are, um, you know, we're, we're, getting, we're filling you up with the word as much as you can. But the problem is, and I, I start with me, you and me, we're not doing it enough. So my goal when we meet for churches, I want to instruct you how to live in order to please God. I don't want to just get you more biblical information. I want to teach you. I want us 
to be teaching from the front how to please God, how to live. Okay, it's going to be practical. That's the intention of church. Second thing is, oh, it's not relevant. Hey, let me, let, let, let me, let me tell you something. It's really relevant when it comes to sexuality. Can I just say that? Can we all say sex? Everyone say sex. Sex. Woo! Okay? Awesome. <laughs> Although the culture may not really agree with where we come from regarding sex, the truth is the Bible <laughs> and church is totally re- relevant regarding sexuality. And let's look at right after that. First Corinthians, sorry, First Thessalonians 4. I'm going to start at verse 3. Okay, listen to this. How can this not be practical? It is God's will that you should be sanctified, right? Be being changed, be being transformed. That you should avoid sexual immorality. I know no one likes to hear that in our culture right now, but wow, it really is a good thing. That each of you should learn to control his or her own body in a way that is holy and honorable, right? This is God's desire for us as men and women. We become more mature as we learn how to control our own bodies in ways that are holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like the heathen. Now, I know it's hard because passion is such an N-word right now, and, and it could be confusing in this negative context, but not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The subtext being there, hey, if you're committing adultery, or if you're in fornication, you know, that's having sex with someone who's not married, then you're wronging some other brother. You know, this is from the male standpoint, right? If if, if, if I'm committing adultery, if I'm committing fornication, then either I'm dishonoring some man who is already married, or I'm dishonoring the man who's going to eventually marry this woman with whom I'm fornicating. That's the problem. If I'm looking at pornography, then, man, there's about three levels that, I, that, I'm, that things aren't going right. First, um, you know, that person who, for cash or whatever reason, has decided to put themselves naked on the Internet, I'm totally dishonoring them because they're a vessel. They belong to God, and I don't belong looking at them naked. There's one person I can look at naked, and it's Kelsey, and that's it. Everyone else is, sorry, can we just be honest? Does that make you feel uncomfortable? (laughs) Sorry. Ah, okay. You guys need to read Mike Mason's um, uh, Meditation on the Miracle. No, Meditations on, uh, there's a lot of M's. Meditations on the Mystery, Miracle, Marriage, blah, blah. It's a really good book. Mike Mason. You want to read it because he just talks about how beautiful it is to be able to see your wife naked. Anyways. (laughs) <laughs> okay? <laughs> and, yeah. That's, that's why we're dishonoring others if we're in sexual sin. Oh, there we go. There we go. Sexual sin. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what the whole neighborhood hear that. Sexual sin. Okay. Now, and right after this was great. Here's the, let, let's talk about the three, three things. <clears throat> three things. Josh, I'm having a problem with my earpiece here. Can I just... Can I just do that mic instead? Okay. Okay. Here, here, here's the issue with sexual sin. And here I'm starting the middle of verse 6. Okay? Three, three things happen when we get into sexual sin. The Lord will punish men for all sins, as we've already told you and warned you. A, there's divine judgment. Okay? Hey, I think those of us who have been in sexual sin, you know divine judgment. You know, Romans 6.23 says the wage of sin is death. You know, some of us know the death that comes when we're just up to our eyeballs in sexual sin. Second thing, it says, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. So there's a calling issue here. When you're called by God, you're called out of (coughs) sexual sin into purity. (coughs) Excuse me. 
Verse 8, therefore he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God who gives us his Holy Spirit. So the third problem with sexual sin is it's just, it's uh, inconsistent with the fact that God's given us his Holy Spirit. And when we're joining ourselves with other people, either through porn or through sexual union with someone else that isn't the person we're married to, it's a problem because God's given us the Holy Spirit. Okay? So hey, is church practical? You bet it is. Is it irrelevant? No way, because the scripture is not irrelevant. And still, I guarantee that although it may sound outdated or old-fashioned, the best bet is pursuing purity with all your heart, because it, it, just, it just is. It's God's way, and, um, and then um, you just get to enjoy. You know, God made you a sexual being, and so you get to enjoy the very purposes that God's made for you. You get to enjoy them if you are pursuing purity. It's going to be wonderful. <clears throat> is it practical? Is it irrelevant? I don't think the Bible's, I don't think church is irrelevant. I think it's relevant not only in regards to practical living, sexuality, but also in terms of your vocation. Okay, your vocation. Hey, listen, I know here that we are pushing a training school. I know that we are going to be pushing people to go to the nations as church planters. I know we're going to be pushing people to be going to other New England states to be church planters because that's my job. But I want you to know that me... And the leadership and God, we honor the vocation that God's given you. Some of you have been called to be an accountant in Office X over in Danvers. And that's God's calling, and that's how you're going to please God. Let's look at what God has to say about vocation here in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 4.11 says, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands just as we told you. Now, a little context here. This church, these guys were getting so excited about the second coming of Christ that they just stopped working, and it became a problem because the unbelievers looked at the Christians and were like, who are these guys who are so, you know, you know how some people say they're so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good? And while I think God was totally pleased with their desire for the coming of Christ, it's a desire that we should have too because the Bible says it. We want to be people who <clears throat> eagerly anticipate the return of Christ. There's actually a crown for that, those who love his appearing. But God loves your vocation, okay? He wants you to lead a quiet life, meaning, you know, just do your vocation unto him. And we get the, we get the um, assurance from Genesis that, you know, he's given you a garden to hoe. God's given you grace to create and cultivate. And he wants you to cultivate what he's, what he's given you. And he, and, and he wants you to be creative in it too. So your vocation is a blessing from God. It's a practical, wonderful thing. God is not only interested in ministry and people who do ministry. He's interested in you being excellent in your job. That's a good thing. <laughs> is the church irrelevant? No. Not only because of pract- it's practical, it has advice about sex, it has advice about your job. Do you know that God actually cares about your body and your total fitness? Where's Alexis? Are you pumped about this? Come on, Alexis. Bonfire. Bonfire. We're going to start the bonfire right now. What does God say about the bonfire of your body and spirit and soul and everything? Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. This is the closing that Paul gives at the end of this letter, writing to his friends who he loved because they had such a wonderful experience together that I'll mention shortly. (laughs) He says this. May God himself, (coughs) the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus was in Beverly today, he probably would sign up for CrossFit. I just have to tell you that. Maybe he'd sign up for the YMCA. I'm at the Y. I love going to the Y. I love working out at the Y. I love the people I meet. It's awesome. 
God is into your whole spirit, soul, and body, being kept blameless, okay? Before, he just is into you and into the whole piece of who you are. And I know, you know, we, we put this kind of spirit-body divide sometimes in the church. God loves your body. You've got to be okay with that. He loves your body, and um, he made your body, and he made it to show the glory of God. And so you can be okay with that. So the church has relevant things to say about that, okay? Okay. Other objection to church is, I love, I love this. People say, I ask, you know, why do you not go to church? Because I've already been. Ooh. Why do you not go to church? I've already been. Right? They're bored out of their minds. People are bored out of their minds of the church. Maybe you're bored right now. <coughs> Sorry. I'll, I'll do my best. All right? When Paul... Let me just, I know I did it last week, but real quick, what is this letter about, 1 Thessalonians? 1 Thessalonians probably written about 49, 50 AD. Paul's in Athens because he had been to Thessalonica, seen a church started in a really kind of glorious way, and because there was so much persecution, he had to leave, and he went back to Athens. He so wanted to know how they were doing, so he sends Timothy, and then Timothy comes back with a report that they're doing well, and then Paul writes this letter to say, oh, I'm so glad you guys are doing well. And so in this letter at the beginning, we see his memory of how things started. Another objection that people have to church is, I have a hard time connecting. You know, I have a hard time really getting community here. You know, I walk into this church service and I can't get to know anyone. Or um, I I feel like um, it's hard for me to know others. And, um, you know, speaking of young life, one of their little quotes is always that the two basic needs of the human heart are to be loved and to be known. And I'd say you probably have a longing tonight like I do to be loved and to be known. Or maybe the other order, to be known and to be loved. Because if we're really known, we feel like no one would love us anymore. If they really knew how, what a goofball we are or what a jerk we are or whatever, we wouldn't be loved. <clears throat> Let's take a look at the quality of community that in a very short time, Paul was able to create by God's grace. It was God creating the community by Paul's obedience and his friend's obedience. Just listen to the tone of these words. 1 Thessalonians 3, 6 to 12. Let's just start there. But Timothy has just come to us. Remember, Paul in Athens sends Timothy out to to Thessalonica to get a report from the church that they started just a few months ago. Timothy has now come back to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us. Do you have pleasant memories of church? Do you have pleasant memories of your faith group? And that you long to see us. Are there people here that you long to see? I wonder. Are we, are we getting that tight where you actually long to see each other? just as we also long to see you. Verse 7, Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Check this out. Verse 8, For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. Can you say that about anyone else here in this room? You know, can I say, I really live because Brian Carlson is being all that God's made him to be and do. Am I that connected? Are we walking as brothers that closely? You know, am I saying that? I really live. There's Trey Brennan. He just graduated Gordon. He's going to go to seminary next year. I'm really alive now because Trey is becoming all that God's made him to be. You know? I'm really alive because Bonnie is becoming the woman of God, the wife that God's called her to be, and now the mother she's going to be. And, and, 
you know, a, a minister to children in all sorts of ways? Am I really that connected to Jim and Bonnie that I'm saying, I live now because you're doing all that God's called you to do and being all that God has made you to be? Is there anyone about whom you feel those kind of things here in this room? I wonder. Verse 9, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Are we, do we have the same desire? You know, praying for each other. Oh, I can't wait to see my friends again. I can't wait. <laughs> and on to verse, chapter 4, verses 9 to 10 to continue the picture. <clears throat> Skip down to chapter 4, verse 9. Now, about brotherly love, we do not need to write you because you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. Hey, a healthy church is a church that's saying, God, will you teach us to love each other more and more? More and more. Let's start loving each other more and more. And it can't happen just in this in this setting. It's got to happen in our faith groups. It's got to happen in our, I like to call them triads, but just whatever your discipleship groups are. You know, if you're meeting with a few people, you know, and I know there's always, you know, there's spontaneous and there's structure and there's both. You know, you need both. We need structured things so the spontaneous can happen. And if you're just spontaneous then you find you're longing for structure. And if you're just structured all the time, you're finding yourself longing for more spontaneous, like relating. And I can't, I can't, I can't parse it all for you. I know we need both, but just know that in my heart, I'm wanting all of us to experience all of it. As I said last week, I said, if I could w- wave a magic wand, if I could wave a magic wand today, all of you would feel really connected with a few people. You'd be attending faith group and it'd be life-giving for you. You know, you'd be um, enjoying relationships and you'd be experiencing the adventure of God with brothers and sisters. <clears throat> that's, that's my wish for us as a church. It's my prayer. And in all that we're doing, that's what we want you to experience. <clears throat> okay? So the good news is, we can respond to this message very easily next Sunday. So I'm going to explain in high detail exactly what's going on next Sunday and invite you to join us. <clears throat> so next Sunday, this is where it came about. We just realized, because we're smart people, we looked at a calendar and we said, huh, isn't that interesting? Four times a year, there's a month that has five Sundays. Well, that's cool. You can look at your um, you know, personal electronic devices and verify what I've just said. But it's January, and this year it's January, May, October, and August in a bad order. Let me do that again. January, May, August, and October. There's five Sundays in those months. So we decided is, you know what? We want to be a church that affects our community. Or has often been said, a little, a little line that church planters like to use is, if your church disappeared, would the community notice? <coughs> hmm. If, that's a little litmus test, if our church, let's say we just closed our doors this week, would anyone in Beverly notice? Hmm, I don't know. I think a few people would. So we got a good start. So we just said, you know what, let's take these Sundays and uh, these months that have five Sundays and let's do something where we get out. You know, we do something. We serve the community in just a a practical way. And so we're calling it Go Sundays. Get out of here. Okay, and that happens that this month, we're doing it this next Sunday, the 23rd, because we figured the, the Sunday after, a lot of people will be gone because of Memorial Day. Now, if you look around, you'll notice that the person, the average person next to you is 22.5 years old, is white, and is single. Okay? Just average, average. Okay? Now, although we're really thrilled with that demographic, 
We know that God wants us. That's, that's not Beverly, okay? And it's not the North Shore. <clears throat> we want to reach some other demographics. And so one demographic that we want to do better at serving and loving is youth and families with children. So this Sunday, we decided, okay, we're going to try to reach out to youth because youth are often the key to families. In fact, Kelsey, my wife, is a testimony. She came to Christ. I mean, she really got a, a radical conversion to Christ, and then her family kind of followed. Is that right, Clara? More or less. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Kelsey stepped out in some real radical obedience and faith, and you know, her parents were seek- seekers, and, but it was really Kelsey's initiative that kind of um, started the door for the whole family. So we want to see it happen among youth. <clears throat> okay, so here's, here's how we're serving them. We have a great relationship with the YMCA. <coughs> I'll get to that in a second. But we, we want you to come. We're doing it from 1 to 5 this coming Sunday. It's this basketball tournament. We just put out flyers to the schools. We got flyers to every student at Briscoe Middle and Beverly High School. In their homes, they received a flyer. They know how to sign up. They sign up for this by going to our youth page on our, on our website, which you'll see shortly. McPherson Youth Center, let's put that map up just so you know where it is because I want you all to come. It's not, <coughs> next Sunday isn't take church off Sunday because you're not meeting here at 6. Next Sunday is I've got to be there because I'm, maybe I'm bored and I want to see God do some radical things. All right, so the, the McPherson Court's there, right there where you see the A. We're on Bridge Street and it's um, just kind of south of the stop and shop back there and just north of the train station. Um, that's where you want to be. You'll notice there's a big softball field and then there's a... Um, there's basketball courts, a skate park, and this building with this incredibly slanted roof. And um, that's the youth center, McPherson. <coughs> now, we got a great relationship with the Y. They're giving us incredible favor to do this. And um, <coughs> I want to show you how you can serve. Let's go to the next slide. Well, I want you there. This is, how I, this is, this is why we want you to come with us. Because it, it takes everyone, not just the team who's planning this. We've got an awesome team that's planning it. Hey, if you know youth around this area... And I'm sorry, just our bad. We forgot to bring flyers. I should have had flyers today. <clears throat> but if you just go to our website and go to the youth page, that's the, the, the registration's right there online. You want to do that or get them there. <laughs> Point them there. Another way you can help is you come at 11 to help us start setting up. Okay? It's going to be a big setup. We need, you. we need your help. Another way you could serve, and this is, kind of the, this is where I need most of you to be most of the time. We're going to pray for this in a moment. <clears throat> I want you to just be present. Okay, you have no idea how your presence, because your presence creates a um, ambiance, right? It creates a certain like feeling, you know, for all there, and it'll be fun. And I need some of you who are extroverted to enjoy and meeting youth and families, because that's the whole thing. We're trying to connect them to us. And that's the win. And I just want you to know what I'm believing for. This is the same thing. Can I just let you in on Navigate Training School a little bit? Navigate what we're believing for when we go to North Africa is I'm believing for every person in our training school to meet someone they can call friend and have the privilege of sharing the gospel with. I'm believing the same thing for you, okay? That as you meet youth and families, <clears throat> you're just going to ask God, hey, who's someone that I can connect with and I can relate to? And because we actually have a good conversation, we say hello, we get to be friends, I can, A, invite them to church. B, really share about my faith with them. C, this is, this is what I get excited about. What happens if someone sprains their ankle playing basketball? Ooh, Clara might be like, I want to pray for them. Clara goes and prays. God shows up, they get healed. And we go, wow, God's real. That's cool. It's happening all over the earth today. 
It just takes people to say, yes, I want to be used that way. You want to be used that way? Okay. Phil is organizing something incredible. Phil and Josh and the men's youth group. Youth group, sorry. Men's faith group. Sorry, prophetic. <clears throat> um, that you've already been contacted through your faith group about the food you can provide. We have a huge need there. Um, the church is getting the meat, but we, all everything else, I guess, we need you to help. So Phil has already contacted you. And lastly, <laughs> help us tear down at the end, okay? So we're going to have church next week. It's just not here. We're having church at McPherson. We need you there. Everyone, are, are, we, are we getting the, the, the purpose here? Is it coming through? <clears throat> Anyone on leadership? Is it, is it, am I hitting the main points? Okay, awesome. First thing we're going to do is all you guys who are helping, who are, um, like I see, Phil and Ben and <coughs> Tim DeLuca, you guys come on up. All you guys who met at my house uh, a month ago, <laughs> you guys come on up who are helping do this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, this is great. We want to honor Ben Forsberg. We'll honor him more officially on the 30th, but this is kind of Ben Forsberg's last major hurrah as youth intern this year. He's done a great job setting us up. Okay, where's DeLuke's? There he is. Okay. Anyone else? We got helping us out? Okay. <coughs> okay. Um, yeah, Keith, come on up. Okay. And Sturge, why don't you and the worship team come on back up? <coughs> and, uh, okay. Jay Lanou, I'm putting you on the spot. I'm going to ask you to pray for this team because Jay's an incredible coach. <laughs> All right. Hey, you just pray for this team and you pray for Sunday, okay? Is that cool? Yep. Is this, okay, good. Did I freak you out too much? No. Okay, cool. You got lots of color. Looks good. I want this though. Mm. Mm, Father, I just like to thank you for your faithfulness to us, Lord, tonight and this week, Lord, leading up to the event. Um, God, I thank you for all that you've given us, Lord, and I just pray that you just fill us up, Lord, that we might just be a a uh, blessing to the community, Lord, and blessing to uh, each kid that you deliver, Lord, um, to that, that point of time, Lord, to the basketball courts, Father. Uh, I just pray that you just give us the words to speak, Lord, that we just be able to um, just be a blessing to the community, Father. Um, God, I just pray that um, you would just give us a divine appointments, Father, that your will would be done um, in this town, Father, and, and through this time. Um, thank you, Lord, that you've blessed us with um, uh, money and with food and just uh, everything that we need, all the practicals, Lord, to do this. Uh, I pray that you bless all the administration for this event, Father. Um, and again, we just ask for your hand to be um, on this, Father, and I just pray, Lord, that you would um, be with these leaders as they um, just pour out the, um, everything that you've given them, Lord, just for this time. Uh, again, we thank, thank you for your faithfulness now, Lord, as we believe for for the blessings you're about to pour out in your name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you guys give a round of applause for this team. You guys stand with me.